I've got the games, boys. I'm playing all the games. <laughs> uh, I just said, I was, I'm going to repeat it for, for you two, but I just said it before we started. I'm playing more video games right now than I can remember having played in a really, really, really long time. Okay, okay. Before we get into the games, please contextualize what changed in your life that made this possible. Oh, yeah, good. That's a good question. So, uh, well, one thing, I mean, I think I've mentioned this uh, on the show in the past. Like, I've I've been someone who struggled with, um, I don't know if I'd say RSI so much, but, like, I would get, like, nerve pain, I, I suppose. Mm. You know, like, I would get yeah. pains in my, my wrists and my hands and my elbows and stuff. And whilst I am still susceptible to it, my my kind of floor for this has been raised a lot with just being more active and doing more strength training. Mm. So basically, it just seems like in making my arms more used to strain, I can play games for way, way longer. Um, and so I've been taking advantage of that. And then also, I kind of made it like a, a, a goal of mine for the year. It's like part of my yearly theme uh, that I would play more video games. Like it's part of taking more time for myself um, and, and actually spending time doing th- stuff that I love. Uh, it's also as well, like I've been consuming more video game focused media, like YouTube videos and podcasts mm-hmm. and stuff. So I'm being influenced more into playing certain games, right? Like right. I'm hearing like game po- podcasters say like, oh, this game's great. This game's great. This game's great. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, all right, I'm going to get it. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, okay. So uh, it, uh, it's that kind of that trio of things. Um, one game like that for me is the WWE game. So it's 2K22. I've had a history of playing the WWE games for years and years and years, right? But two things now. I'm not really as interested in wrestling as I have been in the past before. Now it's kind of just like a, a couple of times a year I might watch something. And also the last few games in the series have been abysmal. Like so, so bad. So 2K were one at risk of losing their license with WWE to EA. That was like a thing out there. And plus, the, they just kept getting uh, panned so badly that they took a year off. So, you know, this is they the WWE games, like all sports games, there's a new one every year, right? Hence the like 2K22 is the name, right? So it's the 2K games, it's the year for 2022, right? But it took a year off and they said they were going to go away and they were going to rebuild it from the ground up, give them a better foundation to move forward. And this game... I was going to leave it, but then I kept hearing uh, some like YouTubers that I watched, they would keep playing it, talking about it, and I'm like, okay, like they have a similar background to me, they played these games, I fell out with love of them, and this one surprised them. So I was like, I'm going to give it a go. And it's great. Like The control system's really good, they kind of went back to the start and rebuilt the control system, and now it's like a little bit of a combination between a kind of a, a, a wrestling game, and also like there's combos and stuff in there they've never had before. Um, and there's a little bit more button mashing in places, and they've done a good job. Uh, graphically, it looks fantastic. What are you playing on? Uh, Xbox. Xbox. Okay. So, so this is uh, this is actually a second part of this, I guess, going back to the very beginning. So I have my Xbox Series S at the studio, PlayStation Five at home, and I've been looking for games that I could play in short bursts at the studio. Like I've got like 20 minutes before a show or whatever, and I haven't got mm. anything to do. And so I've been, at first I got uh, Grand Theft Auto, because it's like I could just drive around in Grand Theft Auto. Which, by the way, it I bought, I think, two versions of GTA V for Xbox, trying to find the version that was Series S 
like uh, upgraded or whatever. It was mm. such a nightmare. Like that system. Microsoft needs to sort that out. Like I should only see the best version for me. Like I yeah. shouldn't see anything else. I think Sony do a way better job of this. Like where at least it's in the same listing. But yeah. I, on the Microsoft store, there's like two separate listings. One is the regular one and then one is the optimized one. And mm. I just found that really annoying. Um, but then WWE has kind of filled that because it's like, you know, you could just jump in and play one match and, and be done with it or whatever, you know. And they, they have the the way a lot of these 2K sports games are now. They have a kind of, you can just play matches or you can play their kind of career mode. And then they also have something called the showcase mode where they tell one uh, guy's story over history. It's actually really nice. Like, So they, they pick a classic wrestler and he tells his story, right? And you you kind of fight a bunch of his like most famous matches over his history, over his career. And what they do is they recreate in the game the look so they do a couple of things. One, they like they build the old arenas, the old attires. But they also put like uh, I'm playing. I was playing a match today from the '90s, and they put kind of a grain on the screen, so it looks like a TV from the '90s. Mm. And then you have these objectives, and when you hit certain objectives, it seamlessly transitions to the to actual real footage. Huh. So like you hit a thing, and then it like does a cutscene, but then the cutscene transitions to the actual footage from TV. And you watch that for a minute, and then it comes back again. So it's quite it's quite nice. Um, but you know, uh, the career mode, like the general career mode, it's really lacking in voice acting. But I think this is a COVID thing. I think they couldn't because there's some <laughs> there's some voice acting that literally it sounds like the guy was just recording it into his laptop. Like oh, no. <laughs> I think they really struggled uh, to get that kind of stuff down. But just in general, this game is really doing a good job of fulfilling exactly what I want it to do. Um, and it looks great. Uh, a game that I've been playing, I put a bunch of time in, surprisingly, Gran Turismo 7. Gran Turismo 7. Yes. So this is one at home, right? Obviously PlayStation. Um, and so I would need to thank two people here, I guess. One is Shahid. Well, I need to thank Shahid twice. One, because of the last episode. He totally sold me on it. Then Shahid got me a code from Sony. So thank you, Sony. Uh, I got a free copy of Gran Turismo 7. This game is incredible. It's so good. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Um, it plays so great. Looks so good too. Like it is incredible. Is this a PS5 only game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you can so. tell, right? Like you can really tell. I've um, got to ask you, what do you hmm. think of the controller, the feedback? Because that's the thing that did it for me. Uh... It's nice. I was I was surprised. I don't think I've had so much of a, a reaction as you did. Mm. I think all in all, that's the the the, the dual senses features that people like don't really sell me. They're fine, right? Like I like that there is a bit more like uh, feedback in the triggers. It's nice. Yeah, um, and the haptics are good. But like it doesn't blow me away. But it's right. really it's so much better than any controller I've used before. Yeah. But I don't necessarily find it uh uh like it was the same for the Astros playroom stuff, right? When people were like, Oh, you right, can feel right. the water. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. Right. Like that's kind of how I <laughs> how it comes away for me. I don't know why, but like it's like, yeah, I can feel that it's better, but it doesn't like feel like it's transcending video games for me, you know? Right. Um license mode is frustratingly addictive. <laughs> I annoyingly will not allow myself to get anything other than gold. Oh, <laughs> man. So I have poured 
hours uh, into uh, the license modes. Uh, I'm playing through the game as you're meant to play it, right? So, like, I'm only doing certain licenses at a time, right? Whereas, like, you're going through and you're talking. The, can I just say, the, the conceit of this game is one of the most wild things I've ever played. Like, this conceit of, like, hey, you're in a town, and, like, this guy's at a cafe, and he loves cars, and, like, he's going to give you a menu, and then you need to go get the car. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. I don't know why they decided to do it this way. It's crazy. It because really is weird. It is so weird. It's like, I'm playing the game, and, like, I think this is the most Japanese video game I've ever played. Like, yeah, I, I kind of love the charm of that. Th- that's what normally I mean. it, it is drives so me charming, wild. But it's it drives so me wild strange. That normally, because it's like, yeah. oh, okay, you go to the cafe and it's like a beautiful Zen garden in the back, <laughs> and like the cars are all parked there, and like let's take a minute to really appreciate everything beautiful about this car. And it's like, man, I love this. Like, but it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird because how you compare it to Forza which is like the most American version of a racing mm. game, right? Where it's like, mm. oh, cars are smashing off planes and like, ah, there's explosions <laughs> and there's a festival, right? Like, yeah. they are so different. Uh, the only criticism I have for Gran Turismo 7, like, because it's fantastic, it plays great, you know, the way that you can like, keep hitting the same thing over and over and over and you will improve your time. Like, mm. at times, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this, like, to take this corner in this very specific way. But no, you can do it. You just mm. keep doing it and you learn the line. Like, you keep doing it and learn the line and you'll get there. But I just wish they had an arcade mode where I could drive any car on the track. Like, let me come out of the career and take the like the Mercedes that you've got that's going to cost like 10 million credits and just let me drive it around a track. Like, I don't know why everything has to be unlocked. Like, I understand that if I want to take a car in the career mode and race it, I've got to unlock it. I've got to build to that and get it. But they, it feels to me strange to like do all of this work that they do to model all of these cars, create audio for all of these cars a different feel for all of these cars but there are so many that i will literally never drive in this game because i am not willing to put in all the money or all the hundreds of hours of time like i've played a lot of it i don't know exactly how far i am through and i'm enjoying it and i'm going to keep dipping into the game but i'm never going to be that type of person I don't even know if you could be the type of person to unlock every car in this game. And it kind of feels weirdly wasteful that I can't just be like, let me go to arcade mode, I'll pick this track, and let me just pick this car. And I'm, Shahid, I'm not wrong, right? There isn't, that mode doesn't exist in the game, right? Nope, you gotta earn the cars. And I just think, or, do, or do you agree them. with me that it's weird that you can't even try them? No. No? No, 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 I don't. Uh, I'll tell you what would be nicer, compromise. Because... Okay. I'm I'm all about the compromise, right? Because right. I, I I don't want the customer to walk away mm-hmm. and, and say that <laughs> yeah. You know, so what what I would suggest is that you have test drive mode, and test drive lets you test drive any of the cars at the showroom around the car park for say I don't know one minute. Yeah, that and works for me. It. That works And then that's me. it. You're you're never allowed to drive that one again until you earn it. Oh, I see. Now you've lost me. I get, but like, why? What? All the cars are there. Why can't I drive the cars? Right? Like, I don't understand this. Like, okay. So let's let's say you're playing a shooter. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. You have to you have to go through all of the upgrade process. You've got to level up your character before you can get the most outrageous weapon. 
Hmm. Why should they give you that weapon at the very beginning? Well, because because I then take that car that I've unlocked into the championship and win championships with it. Like, I don't even want to race against other people. Just let me drive it around the track. Hmm. This reminds me of Splatoon, right? This is a very sh- nobody in history has compared Gran Turismo and Splatoon. No, no, I was just thinking that you really got me there. All right, because in Splatoon, you go into the artillery store and you can try any weapon out in a thing in the back of the store, right? So you go around, and it's like it feels like the game. You have targets and all that kind of stuff, and you can go out and you can be like, "All right, take this, roll it," and you can like spend like five minutes with it, and you can just do whatever you want, right? And it's not a race. It's not like drive it around the parking lot. Like there is an actual thing that you can go and do and you can spend as much time as you want, right? There should be like just a basic, just give me one of the rings, one of like the NASCAR rings in the game and let me just drive a car around it for five minutes. Like it's just so strange to me that there is no amount of time that I would put into this game where I'm going to drive all these cars. And the the, the wild thing is there are so many cars that I unlock, that I have unlocked that I will never drive. Like, it's weird. Like, there are all these cars that you unlock that you have no interest in driving. <laughs> and then the ones that you want, like, you could... Maybe if you put enough time in. I think the thing that makes Isn't this worse... Isn't this a bit like buying Pokemon cards, though? Uh, Yeah, but I don't have to pay Pokemon for the ability to buy cards. Because, like, this is the other thing I don't like, of, like, well, you just give us money and you can get the car. Like, actual real money. Like, that. this is where it's... This is where, like, maybe I'm more upset about it in this one than other Gran Turismo games because like if I want that car I can give them 50 pounds and I can buy it now Mm, mm. and then I think well now we're breaking down right is it the love of the car and the challenge or is it the love of commerce like which one do you want Mm, you know mm. so like I think it starts to fall apart a little bit but this is a real long tangent this is a fantastic driving game like the ultimate driving simulator that's Gran Turismo right and that's what this is it is the ultimate driving simulator like it is superb like how different car to car feels like really like i don't know how they manage it but it's 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 superb uh i have a couple more gonna take a real left turn super mario land on the game boy huh i played it on my analog pocket and completed it for the first time in my life (laughs) that's amazing so i was i was hanging out on a stream i was doing because i do like keyboard related streams and i ran out of things to do and I'd only been streaming for like 20 minutes and I had the analog pocket and I was like oh should we just play a game and I just grabbed Super Mario Land and put it in and this game is so freaking weird like it's very clear that at this point they had not thematically understood Mario right like this is a very early on this is the first Mario game on Game Boy like there's like for some reason you're like you're in Egypt you're underwater, you're in a little like spaceship thing. Like they're so weird, right? Like the the music is strange, the the areas that you're in is really strange. Um, and like things don't work right. And like compared to Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, this looks like a full-on Mario game. Like I honestly don't understand how these are both original Game Boy games. Like Super Mario Land 2, you can have three saved games. You can do level selecting. You can choose levels from an overworld map at random. Like, I don't understand how these were both made on the same system because it's like Super Mario Land 2 looks like an SNES game, but in black and white. And Super Mario Land looks like an NES game, but they're both Game Boy games. How many years apart were they? Uh, do you know? 
I need to Google it. I've got the cartridge in my hand right now, but it doesn't have a year on it. But they were both for the original Game Boy. So we've got Super Mario Land was 1989, and Super okay. Mario Land 2 was 1992. Okay, it feels like years. a way larger gap than three, four years. Seriously, like it's unbelievable like i recommend looking up screenshots or whatever like and you'll see like super Mar- like you'll see what i'm saying about how one looks like an nes game and one looks like snes like they and and i guess really during the nes's life it also went through this right because what was the last nes version of mario jade you know this is the number one super mario, mario bros 3 no was 3 on the nes I think so. Uh, yeah, I'm looking yeah. at screenshots now, and wow, it looks massively different. From so it, two. it the difference between the two Game Boy games is like Super Mario Bros. and Super Mario Bros. 3 in visual style. However, it's got the weirdness of 2, which is so funny. Like, like Super Mario Land has all of the weirdness of Super Mario Bros. 2. Would you know it's like that game like they, they brought it in and like reskinned it? Yes. And it's got like flying uh, carpets and all that kind of stuff. This is what this one reminds me of. Like there are enemies in Super Mario Land on Game Boy that are in no other Mario game. Like here's a big flying bug thing. It's like what is that? Like it's very strange. It's very fun, very weird. Um but yeah. So I that, the first time I played I played it through and completed it. Like I kind of couldn't believe it. Cuz in my mind this is an unbeatable game, right? Cuz I played it when I was like I don't know, 6. Or something, you know. So like, these games are completely unbeatable, and I and I crushed it. I think the game you were thinking of is Doki Doki Panic. Yeah, that's the one that was reskinned. Yeah, as Super Doki Doki yeah. Panic. Super Mario Brothers Two is fantastic and incredibly weird. Like I love Super Mario Brothers Two on the NES, but that is a strange, strange video game. There's like there's some great YouTube videos like breaking down the lore of it. I, I, there is actually, Federica, what is the name of that YouTube channel? It's like Video Game Lore or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Uh, you know what's weird is I've played these games and I don't remember these things. I guess it must be because I played them so long ago. Yeah. Oh, and it wasn't man. just a little bit either, you know? In those days, we used to play games for quite some time. It wasn't as disposable now we certainly didn't have the choice we've got now you also you'd played them over and over and over again and you yeah, play yeah. the same things all the time yeah. You couldn't say. yeah yeah but there's a there is a youtube channel that i'm trying to think of is it just called lore mm, i don't think or so gaming gaming historian maybe? i don't think it's gaming historian either i don't remember uh but the the story behind this game is just is so good i'm gonna try and see if i find the sh- the video that i'm thinking of I'll put it in the show notes, but otherwise just, you know, just go onto YouTube, look up this stuff. Like you'll have a great time because like, it's the story behind Super Mario Bros. 2 is just so weird. And when you start digging into it, uh, I have one other game that I started playing. God of War, PlayStation 5. So it's a PlayStation 4 version. Oh, that's like uh, four years later. Yeah. I think it came out in 2018, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The PlayStation 4 version. Uh, I think it's had some graphical upgrades. It's so much yes. nicer on the PS5. Right. Yes, it looks incredible. It, it looks like a PlayStation uh, 5 game. I've been playing it again on the PS5, and it is so much better than the PS4 version. So I'm playing it now in, like, 
in advance of Ragnarok. Because I feel like this is Ragnarok is going to be one of these games where everyone's like losing their mind. You know what I mean? Like you got to you got to play this kind of thing. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get it now and then I'm going to kind of kind of get used to it or whatever, right? Like be be up to date. Now, I've only put a couple of hours into this so far. Like it's just something I started on the weekend. The story is amazing. Like I'm really intrigued about it. Boy, like I want to know what's the deal with the boy, you know? I don't I don't know what the deal with the boy is. And we've started our descent up the mountain. Uh this spoilers for the very beginning of the game. You've both played it, right? Yes. Right. So the I've you know, I've done the big fight with the guy who appears at the door, right? When you're like destroying all of the environment around you and just having this huge mm-hmm. fight with this other guy who appears to be a god. So I've done that, and we've begun our our, uh, ascent, I should say, uh, up the mountain, and we're moving around. I don't think I've found the flow in the controls yet. Like, Mm, okay. I'm feeling like things are are a little clunky, and I feel like they're not supposed to be. But, like, I feel like I'm not doing things right. It's the kind of game that really opens up the more skills and weapons you unlock, at least based on what I remember. Like, there's one point where you really unlock a bunch of things and and the combat, like, I remember having this moment years ago that it really clicked for me. Mm. Um, and that's when you really start exploring, like, the the, the skill tree and choosing your play style. Um, and then there's a major spoiler for later that I will not reveal to you right now. But it also basically, like, after the half of the game, like it changes completely because okay. of one specific event. Okay. Uh, b- but I think you will get really into it. Uh, it just it, it needs some time. Also, for context, is this your first God of War game? No. Mm. I know I played some at some point, but I don't know which and when. But like we're talking like PlayStation 2. PS2, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna keep trying because I'm I'm feeling a tad put off because I keep dying, and I know I shouldn't be. It feels like to me like I should be fine with what I'm doing right now, um, but I keep finding myself in these situations where like I feel like I'm button mashing too much, and I, and it feels like maybe I shouldn't be playing it that way. Like I don't I don't know if this feels like a game where I should just keep hitting R one over and over and over uh, again. It's the kind of game where based on what I remember, you need to dodge a lot. Uh, it's not just button mashing and yeah. you know, pressing R1 and R2. I'm trying to get uh, the dodging down. I'm trying to understand. Sometimes I feel like I can deflect things from my shield. Yeah, I never deflect in any game. Uh, okay. that's, that includes Elden Ring. Like, I've never played with the you know deflecting style. Oh, like parrying? Sort of, parrying? Yeah, like, but, like oh. I, I never do that. I, I never didn't even do know that. that was possible not to do in Souls games. Yeah, you can choose to ignore it no, if I mean, you want. But, just, like, I figured you'd never get by if you tried to do that. But. No, no, you can. You just dodge a lot. <laughs> and mm. You run right. around a lot and you escape things. Like, you can choose your play style. But in God of War, I remember dodging being essential to sort of repositioning and, you know, like attacking the enemy from behind and that sort of thing. All right. I'll try. So you mean like rolling, right? Rolling, yes. All right. Yes. I'm going to do a bit more of that then. I don't think I'm maybe doing a lot of rolling. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Federico, do you ever play Street Fighter Alpha? Ah, many years ago. Did you ever counter? Um, 
I see that's my thing. I always struggle with that mechanic in any game. Like getting for me, it's a timing issue. I think like I I think I kind of I just suck at at countering or pairing. Uh, the only game, the only game where I learned how to parry sufficiently well was Zelda Breath of the Wild. You know, with pairing oh, like so the guardians. Though. Yeah. But but yeah, that's the thing. It's very easy in Zelda. And, ne- but, and it's also in that game incredibly necessary. Right? Yes. Like Okay, well, what about Metroid Dread? Uh, I see you got me there. Uh yeah, I can parry in Metroid Dread. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um so I guess for, save for a couple of exceptions, but both are Nintendo games. I don't know if that mm. then I don't know if that means anything because they they make it really obvious to you when you is it a controller thing? Oh, maybe like a visual thing, like a visual. Like for example, in Zelda, you can see where you're supposed to parry because there's a flash of light. In Metroid Dread, you see when you're supposed to parry yeah. because the enemy makes us very, like the enemy. Yeah, there's a tell. Very, yeah, there's a tell, and maybe in those games, I struggle with the tell of like that's mm. when you're supposed to parry. It's impossible in, in in Souls games, really. See, the reason I say this to bring this back to God of War, I think it's really important. Because one of the things that they really tried to do in this version of God of War, and I remember mm-hmm. reading an article uh, about this by the designers, was the feeling of weight of the weaponry. Mm. They really tried to capture that. And part of that was trying to recreate the feel of old school fighting games, which is why I mentioned Street Fighter Zero. They didn't refer to Street Fighter Zero specifically, but um, I, I spoke to uh, Funamizu-san in, uh, in Japan who's a number two of R&D at Capcom, and he explained to me how Street Fighter worked. He was the guy who helped create it, and uh, he schooled me, basically, because I thought I knew what I was talking about. I asked him some questions, and then he sent me off to an arcade with some of his staff, and they said, <laughs> let us show you how Street Fighter actually works. So they they demonstrated it at an extremely high level, and it was just insane the amount of timing precision you needed and the change that you could develop with really, really good control of that timing. And one of the important things that they tried to do in those fighting games was the pause. So there is a moment where everything freezes. And I'm sure you've noticed this in many games. Yeah. And that pause, that freeze, is what gives a blow or a contact the feeling of weight. Everything stops and you feel like you've actually hit something. All that's mm. happened is that the screen is frozen for one frame, sometimes two frames. And that's exactly the kind of thing they tried to cre- uh, recreate in this God of War. Right, see, I like that, but I feel like, is there something I'm supposed to do when that happens? Well, the, that's a good point for parrying and then flowing into the next move. Uh, but I don't, I don't think I've got advanced enough. I will say this, though. For me, the best iteration of God of War was the very first one on the PS2. And the reason I say that is because the weapons felt like they flowed more, whereas the latest God of War, it seems to be more about the weight of the weapons. Okay. And just wait. What I'll (laughs) say, what I'll say is that axe is amazing. Like that I can throw it around and like draw it back to me. Like, oh my God, it's so cool. Like I love throwing the axe at someone and then like moving and then lining it up and then hit two people. Like that kind of stuff is amazing. I feel like I just need a little bit more work with the combat. However, I'm enjoying the game enough that if I keep struggling, I'm just going to adjust the difficulty. Like I don't care. Like I have come to uh, be perfectly happy with that as a mid-30s year old uh, like man. I will just like... 
I will just adjust that. I will go to story mode and I will not be embarrassed about it. I just want to... Because I keep hearing people talk about how good the story is. Like, that's why I'm playing this game. Like, I'm not playing it for any other reason other than to have the experience of this video game. Like, I'm not looking... Like, you know, we're going to talk about Elden Ring again in a bit, right? Like, I'm not going anywhere near Elden Ring, right? Because I just know that, like, even though I'm curious... I know I'm not going to have a good time, right? That's how I feel. Maybe Federico could try and uh, change our mind, but I don't think he will. Like, I don't think he would even want to try. We'll see. But, like, you know, I want to experience it, so I, I, will, I will give it a go uh, on the lower difficulty if I have to. Uh, outside of that, I'm waiting for my playdate. Um, I'm really hoping that by the time this episode comes out, my playdate will have arrived because it is in the UK. Like, I'm just waiting for mm. it to be delivered. Um, and then also, I have uh, I've downloaded two more games on Game Pass. Game Pass is the greatest invention in all of video gaming history because I keep getting to play all these games. Uh, Bug Snacks and Hades. I want to give Hades another go. I loved Hades, but I had to stop because it was hurting me too much. So I want to yes. try Hades. And Bug Snacks is on Game Pass now. And I've always been kind of curious about Bug Snacks but didn't, didn't ever played it because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this game. Uh, so this is kind of like perfect for me for what Game Pass is because now it's like, well, I'll try this game because it's essentially free to me. So I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. So. And of course it was launched on PS5, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they just had it's DLC uh... come out. Um, and oh, nice. even the DLC version is on Game Pass, which is wild. It's funny to me when they're like, it's on Game Pass and you can also buy it on Xbox. Who is doing that? Who's doing that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's wild to me. Like that you would, yeah. I'm sure there are lots of people that do it, but like if I saw like get it on Game Pass or buy it, like just sign up for Game Pass even for that one game, cancel Game Pass. You know, but I guess that's the whole point from from uh, Microsoft's perspective, anyway. So that's what I'm up to. Lots of games. Lots of games. I got the games. Well done. Thank you. Well done. I'm loving it. Nice. Um, I've been playing a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, lately I've just been playing one thing that I'll get in a couple of minutes. But first I want to give you an update on Elden Ring. Okay. So I got really into it. Uh, and after 70 hours logged in the game, I finished the main story. That's pretty good, so, you know. 70 hours? Yeah, that seems pretty I, good. I think so. Gave me a great sense of, of the game's depth, which is incredible. And I finished the main story. I got the good ending, as they say. Uh, basically, you, you you have to do like one very long side quest to unlock that specific ending. Um, the final fight was just unjust. Is like it, it was just Melania or something? Mel- no, that's not Melania. It's not so Melania is an optional boss and it's the one everybody's talking about. Right. Uh, this is uh, it's not the main story boss. Okay. I still have not done Melania. Okay. I am saving that for when I will pick up the game again because I needed a bit of a of a break. I needed a bit of a palate cleanser after after Elden Ring. You know, 70 hours after playing each night for like going to sleep at like 5 a.m., uh, I felt like, okay, I'm all, I'm tapped out right now and I need a break. But what I can tell you is that I cannot wait to return to Elden Ring. All the things I said in the last episode absolutely held true. Um, And the more time I spent with it, the more I was able to appreciate just the, the purity of it, just how it's the, the difficulty yeah it's a difficult game and the final boss was incredibly difficult and i still feel pretty lucky that i was able to beat it 
It's also kind of unfair in that the final story boss, it's a two-stage boss, and each one is very difficult, and you cannot save in the middle. Oh, that's, so if you die, this, you gotta I start just over. can't. This I know why people love it, right? Like I get it, and like, and I'm so jealous because I do feel like I'm potentially missing out on maybe to this point the greatest video game ever made. But like, I just don't know. I just don't. I can't play a game under such duress like yeah. that. I think. Yeah, and I, and I felt like my, I checked my heart rate when I was done with the final boss and it was super high. I was like, this is not good for me. I need yeah. to relax. Yeah. But it was also good for me in that I absolutely loved the game. And I, the thing is, 70 hours, pretty long time to play a video game. It's a pretty big commitment these days to a single video game. But the, the map is so huge that I, f I feel like I've only explored, like, I don't know, 25% of the game. Like, it's just an incredible, like, think Breath of the Wild multiplied by three or something. Mm -hmm. It's just wild because it's not just the surface. That's the thing. You can go underground. The problem, yeah. quote unquote, problem with Under Ring is that you can see the map and the map keeps growing. The moment you think, oh, okay, I think I've completed the map. No, you have not completed the map. It keeps getting larger and larger. But the thing is, it also goes underground. So there's a whole underground map and there's the catacombs uh, and there's all these secrets that you need to uncover. And so what you see on the map, it's not the full thing. So it's just incredible. And the variety of the different areas, the variety of the enemies, it, I've had such a great time. And of course, playing on PC, it looks really lovely. I've also been playing on Steam Deck. I'm pretty sure I finished the story boss on the Steam Deck. Oh. Yeah, I, I actually think I was thinking about deck. you a couple of days ago because uh, I don't. I feel like of all the game stuff I hear you talk about, I don't hear you talk about your Steam Deck very much, and I just wondered if you were still enjoying yeah, that experience. I, I, I love the Steam Deck. It keeps getting better with software updates. Valve just released a major one a couple of days ago that added a lock screen. Like it didn't have a lock, a lock screen before. Now it does. Um, and they're adding support for variable refresh rates. They're really working on this. But I love this thing. And I, I'm going to pick it up. Um, I'm, I'm going to play a lot more as soon as I'm done with this break that I needed with Elden Ring because there's a, there's a lot of things that I want to play on the deck, including Tunic. Like I think Tunic is going to be uh, the, the next new game that mm. I start. Uh, but like I said, I want to continue exploring Elden Ring. I want to do Melania because I haven't done Melania. And one thing I want to say is I didn't feel bad and I do not feel bad for the fact that to do the final boss, I did a lot of grinding and I did a lot of things to be, as they say on YouTube, OP, to be overpowered for the final boss because that's the only thing that made it possible for me to level up a lot more than I was quote-unquote supposed to. But that's the thing. Nobody's telling me what to do. If the game lets me do this and level up and, and farm... It's like a strategy you know, to me. ...money to level up and, and be higher level, so what? The game lets me do it. I'm mm -hmm. going to do it. I One thing that I continue to dislike about Souls games is a, a part of the community of people that play these games that sort of try to, to be these gatekeepers and make you feel bad mm -hmm. if you don't play the one true gamer way. There yeah. is no one true gamer way. That's this is stupid. like Sifu, right? So yes. Sifu is like a, like a really cool looking fighting game. And they're bringing out a uh, difficulty mode option. I think, I think it's this week um, or it's in the next, within the next couple of weeks. 
Um, and when they announced that, people were so mad about it. Like that somehow Why? people being able to play on an easier mode somehow takes away what you managed to comp like do on a harder level. Like, I don't understand that. Like, I really don't get it. Like, if the developer of the game gives you this option, it is valid. Yeah. If you have, if you cheat, right? Like, if you hack the game to make it easier, yeah. like, then sure, I, I can I can understand a little bit. But, like, this is what I mean, like, with what you were saying about Elden Ring. Because one of the things that made me think of Sifu is Sifu has all these upgrades and stuff and these abilities. But on the final boss, you get them taken away. So you're kind of, mm. like, brought back a little bit more to the, like, to your standard. And, like, you have to kind of, like, show your skill, like, what you've learned right. throughout the game without abilities. If Elden Ring didn't want you to grind, they would take away all of your ability when yep. you go into the final boss. Like exactly, exactly. So uh, I've had a great time with it. I want to return. I want to explore more areas, and I want to try different builds. Like I've already changed. Like after doing the final boss, I did some some further exploration, and I've already changed my character because you can respec your character. There's a there's a particular uh, character that lets you do that, and so now I'm trying this mixed build of like it's it's melee weapons plus faith, meaning that I can both do the classic melee you know fighting style with a with a great sword but i can also do incantations so i can also do spells from a distance and it's this mixed build that i'm having a ton of fun with and uh yeah and i want to and i want to return pretty soon so the sifu update comes out may 3rd with the with the difficulty modes so now for what i'm doing sort of to, as a break from elden ring is i have returned to competitive pokemon play <laughs> 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 so I haven't played for a year really I stopped playing last spring when I got really busy with the launch of the new Club Max stories essentially and that launch was supposed to be the spring and then it became the summer and then after the summer was the iOS review season and then after that there was the iPad and then it's Christmas time long story short it's spring 2022 and I haven't played competitive Pokemon in a year so is the answer to that that you suck now? So the thing is, I suck now. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. So the format of 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 uh, VGC of competitive Pokemon play has really changed a lot since you know when I, when I was playing in late to in 2020. I played for the entire 20, year of 2020, and then the first few months of 2021. It has changed completely. Huh. Uh, this is um, n this is not unusual for competitive Pokemon play because these games, these major games, they come out you know every few years. But VGC needs to continue going if even after three years since the game came out. So Nintendo and the Pokemon Company specifically they switch up the format uh, multiple times. Now we are in the series twelve. So it's the twelfth, uh, it's the twelfth iteration of this format. Now it's really different these days because you can bring in your team up to two legendary Pokemon. These are called restricted Pokemon. Mm. Can uh, I just ask can... a quick question? Sorry to interrupt yes. you. This is in Sword and Shield, right? Sword and Shield. Yes. Okay. Not cool. in Le Legend Arceus. Does I knew not that Arceus didn't VGC. have it. I, ju I just wanted to just double check that. So like, yeah, yeah. It's, And is this like this is? I'm assuming from the legendary thing. This is post Pokemon Bank, right? Like, 
Is that oh, kind yeah, of... Oh, yeah, no, but also it's post-Crown um, Tundra because in the Crown Tundra DLC, uh-huh. they had this feature called the Dynamax Adventures. And in the Dynamax Adventures, they let you catch every single legendary Pokemon ever hmm. released. Um, so you And you can use up to two. So the moment I started looking again into this, you know, I, I started following again my favorite channels, you know, Wolfie VGC and Cybertron VGC on YouTube, I realized, oh boy, this is really different from when I was playing mm. two years ago. Or, you know, yeah, in 2020, I, I did most of my, of my, you know, competitive play. Um, it's a more fast-paced game right now where it's uh, you know most people when you when you play online uh they use what you would call the hyper offense teams meaning uh, it's all you know attack 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 and you gotta you know the fastest pokemon that attacks usually has the upper end and it's very different from what used to be in 2020 which was more you know uh you, you could be a little more strategic you could you know take it more a little more slow paced but now with these legendaries and especially one the you know the 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 legendary of Pokemon Sword Zacian, you know the big dog with the mm-hmm. sword in its mouth. That one, it's on every single team uh, that you can find online. That annoys and this, me. And that's the thing. It annoys me because it's like the worst legendary Pokemon. It's just a dog of a sword in its mouth. But it's also very good. It's no, also very, it's bad. Ob- it's, it's objectively a ba- a, an, an incredible, like, S-tier Pokemon in competitive play. But that annoys me because it's just like, I feel like it was one of the lazier Pokemon. Like, mm. it's just like a dog that holds a sword in its mouth. It's big like, dog. It's big not dog. really, you know, like a like a phoenix or like, you know what I mean? I know. Like, Yeah. I know. Uh, so I'm trying... So um, and the thing is, if you do not bring two legendaries Pokemon, two legendary Pokemon in your team, you're really given up on two incredibly powerful tools because these Pokemon have much, much higher stats than the others. So you're supposed to have them. So I've started doing some research again and I, I, and I tried to, to get back into this. Now, I had to start from zero from beginner tier, level one again. Uh, usually, once you get into Master Ball, which is the the, the last tier of, of the ranked battles online, um, once the, the tier resets at the end of the month, you don't start over, right? The following month, you start from Great Ball tier. So there's seven levels you can skip because mm-hmm. you just got to Master Ball. But because I haven't played in a year, I had to start from zero. So I managed to work all my way up to tier seven again. So I'm in the second stage of the Great Ball, Great Ball tier. Okay. Uh, there's three more tiers for me to get into Master Ball. Uh, the final stage of Great Ball, Ultra Ball tier, and then, of course, Master Ball tier. And I'm really struggling because I, you know, I put together a team that I thought was good, but I wasn't re- like I was in putting together the team. I was still thinking like I was supposed to think two years ago, right? I was using the 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 knowledge that I had from two years ago to build this team, and I realized over the past few days that that doesn't really scale right now anymore. And there's also the the fact that when you play online, it's a best of one match. You know, it's just one match. It's win or lose. And that's very different from when you watch official tournaments. Um, official tournaments are best of three. 
So you can be more strategic, you can be more, you know, slow paced to kind of get to know your opponent's team and you, come you up with a strategy. One, right? Yes, you can burn yes. one in a best of three. In a best yeah. of one, you can't. So you're, you know, being hyper offense, fast paced, using this legendary Pokemon, it's highly recommended right now that you do. So I'm putting together a new team and it's fun because I don't feel, that's the thing that it, to, to wrap it up, I don't feel like two years ago that for no reason, like I was supposed to prove to myself that I could do this. Now I just, now I'm more in a learning mood. Like I feel once again that I just want to learn and absorb as much as possible because let's face it, my ultimate goal eventually is to go to an in-person tournament, yeah. like even just a local one. You They're know, back maybe on next again, year. right? They're doing They're back them again. on. Yeah. Exactly. They are back on. There's a regional in Milan this year. I don't think I will be able to go. Um, like, I don't want to be a professional Pokemon player, but I would like to try at some point, you know? And so I think it's fine that I'm losing right now and that I'm struggling in Great Ball tier because I'm learning a lot and I and I am unlearning some things from two years ago and learning new information. So it's fun and it's it 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 appeals to that part of my brain that is very different from the other part of my brain that was playing Elden Ring. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I've been doing these past couple of weeks. And how much of that is, uh, how much time is that taking up for you? Uh, every... Three hours each night, maybe. That's usually Ooh, my wow. game time. That's is a that. lot of time. Yeah. yeah, well, that's my personal time, essentially. Yeah. Like, Sylvia goes to sleep at 1 a.m. and I stay up playing video games until four and that's, <laughs> that's my only per really uh, we've been so busy lately with like personal life stuff yeah um, work stuff that that's my only me time uh -huh. and you know i'll be watching some tv shows i watch severance on apple tv so i've been reading some manga but you know my love is for video games so yeah yeah three hours each night and it's fun also like i realized what i really like about this sure it's the battling but i really like building teams and mm. studying them and researching them like designing a team is in many ways more fun than actually using the team what's your current team i am gonna try so i'm gonna have two legendaries so one is zeshian i'm gonna do zeshian boring uh, i know you don't like it boring but i also book. have rayquaza Oh, that's a pretty great one. Weird yeah. ones. So you've, gone, try... you've gone the real opposites there. Most boring yes. legendary, weirdest legendary. Yes. So yeah. the flying serpent. Came I'm from doing space. That. Flying dragon came from space. I'm doing Rayquaza and Zacian. Then I'm going to do Grimmsnarl. That's one of the new Pokemon in Pokemon Sword uh, as a support Pokemon and Incineroar also as a support Pokemon for um, Intimidate, which is a strategy that you can mm -hmm. do. And then I'm going to try this sort of like um, surprise factor uh, with a Tapufini and a Regieleki. Uh, and basically the Tapufini has a move that turns any opposing Pokemon into a water type mm -hmm. and the Regieleki just destroyed them, uh, destroys them with the Thunderbolt. That's my strategy for, oh. because it takes people by surprise because Tapufini is usually not a fast Pokemon, but I gave the Tapufini an item called the Choice Scarf that makes it super fast 
And so I'm trying this to catch people by surprise. Again, it's a best of one. So you can do that, uh, catch them by surprise and des- and turn everything into water and destroy them with a thunderbolt. So you're like basically, I'm assuming, burning the Tapafini, right? Like you're expecting yes. it to get, you just want to get that yep. one move in and destroy it and you're then you bring in the electric the type. type. Well, I trained it to be somewhat bulkier than yeah. usual. You know, uh, make it super fast. So basically invest all of its stats into speed and HP. Uh, so huh. that if we can do that move a couple of times, then it means I've most likely, uh, you know, uh, destroyed two of the opposing team's Pokemon. Mm. Uh, and it's pretty good. And I have Zacian in the back and the other Pokemon, depending on the situation. Uh, I look forward to your obsession taking hold <laughs> see again. If can, see if I can get into Master Ball. That would be great. Do you, how, how focused are you on it that you really want to do it? Well, I really want to do it, yes. Yeah. I, I really want to do it, yeah. Shahid, what have you got going on? It's been an absolutely crazy month, what mm. with COVID and Ramadan and all that. Still been playing Gran Turismo 7, which I have to say is very relaxing, very enjoyable, very yeah. therapeutic. And uh, yeah, okay, so I, I mentioned this briefly last time, I think, but I got myself a replica Eames recliner chair. I've always wanted an Eames recliner with the Me ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Always wanted one. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, the, the crazy thing is, right, that the originals, and I say originals, I'll come to why this is important in a minute. And I'm including this under the heading of gamer chair. Okay, because it's not gamer chair, but let's face it. It's I'm the chair you game in. Exactly. So if you want to buy a Herman Miller licensed version of the Eames recliner, it's about eight grand, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, if you buy a replica, it's it can be easily one-tenth that, and I paid less than that. Now, what's the difference between an officially licensed one and a replica? Actually, there's almost no difference at all in most cases. In some mm-hmm. cases, zero difference. The difference is that the copyright laws in this country changed, um, I think, it, I can't remember when, actually. It wasn't that long ago. It's quite recently. So that people who were manufacturing um, furniture that was out of the copyright period didn't have to pay any license fees. But that changed so that uh, copyright was extended, very much like books. And so all these businesses suddenly lost their business unless they relocated to Ireland, which doesn't have this. So basically, these people are shipping these things from Ireland, and they're identical. They, they're they exactly the same as the original Eames recliner, down to the Italian leather and the beautiful rosewood. So I now have, in the shower shed, an Eames recliner and an ottoman. And what I do is I put them down in front of my actual legit Herman Miller um, by Peter Protzman. Sorry, it's a Peter Protzman by Herman Miller desk. Or is it the other way around? Anyway, it's zebra wood. It was made in 1971, and it's legit. It's not a rip-off. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I use that to have my telly on top of. And then I've got my PS5 to the left. And underneath it, I've got a new console, which I'll tell you about in a minute. So I've got my entire setup in the shed. And I am sorted. I now put my feet up. And I have my moment of luxury, usually in the morning, before I start work. Or actually, the way it's been more lately since I've got better is I'll do some work in the morning. Then like eight, nine o'clock, I'll do some gaming and then mid-morning I'll pick up work again. So it's been working absolutely fantastically for me. So PS, PS5, Gran Turismo 7, that's been the thing. Now I got COVID 
which I'm, I don't know if I mentioned last time. Maybe I got COVID straight after it the was after. last remaster. Yeah, okay. So, so what I did was, obviously, I was on Twitter during this time because it's very boring, COVID, as you know, and saw uh, Federica talk about this beautiful OLED monitor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to get one. And the reason I had to get one is because as I started to recover, what could I do in the bedroom isolated? Well, I've got an Xbox Series S, so I brought that upstairs because it's tiny. Nice. And I put that on under my bedside table and had one of these 15.6 inch 1920 by 1080 LCD monitors, plugged that in, and I was gaming. So as I recovered, I couldn't stand to read. That's really weird. I could read for about 10 minutes and I got bored. The weird thing is when you're in isolation, you think, oh, great. I've got all this time to read. I've got all this time to do this, that. No, you just get really, really irritated and bored. But gaming, for some reason, is absolutely fine. Yeah. So I sat there, you know, going through the Xbox Game Pass stuff and actually very um, boringly played a fair amount of Geometry Wars as well. Loved the old school. Loved the old school shooting stuff. But the thing is, a monitor was just so bad. And so I remember Federico saying something about this beautiful OLED 4K 15.6-inch monitor. So I hit him up, as you know. Thank you for the tip, Federico. It is beautiful. (laughs) It is so beautiful. So that completely changed my world, and I've been using that ever since, and it's absolutely beautiful. And I will be taking it on holiday with me with the Xbox Series S, because it's really easy to carry around. But this left me with a problem, gents. What do you think the problem was? Uh, I'll put you out your your misery. It meant that because the Xbox Series S is now in the bedroom and will be used (laughs) to move around, (laughs) I don't have an (laughs) Xbox. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't have an Xbox. So this was my excuse to buy an Xbox Series X. Yeah, I've been thinking and about it too. The moment they came into stock, I got the email mm. I ordered from Microsoft immediately. Uh, and I don't know why I did it, uh, but I did. Anyway, it's sitting there uh, underneath my aforementioned desk. And it's been it's been on in heavy rotation with a PS5, I must say. So I've been playing lots of Minecraft Dungeons with my boy. He, it's a nice little event. You know, he comes over to the shed. Uh, we do a few rounds of Minecraft Dungeons, and he goes again. It's a nice nice little thing that That's we sweet. have together. I started playing Hades again. I don't know why. Oh, I guess... okay, you played it too. Yeah, this yeah, must... I... Okay, so I think we both had the same thing, where I was like, what's on Game Pass? Oh, Hades is on Game yeah, Pass, and then yeah, I downloaded yeah. it. Yeah, okay. And you know, the, the thinking for me was, I, I got it on PC. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't feel like a PC game because you had to use a controller. Because yeah. I tried it initially on the mouse and the keyboard, and it was awful, you know, because you need that directional stick control. So here I am playing on playing Hades on a PC with a controller. I'm thinking, maybe I should have got this on, on a console. So now that it's on Game Pass, downloaded it on the Xbox, and I've been playing it on that, and it has been my go-to game both in uh, in the bedroom when I've got a few minutes. I'll play a, you know, a few rounds of Hades or down here i'll fire it up on the big screen in the shed and i've really been enjoying that um today i downloaded the rare replay okay um that stuff means a lot to me uh, a few people who go back a long way know my uh code is just story so they know that rare mm. means a lot to me i don't know if i ever mentioned actually no that's going to be in season three season three i talk about my relationship with rare um, so in season two, I talked about what an inspiration they were to me, particularly Night Law. But there were a whole bunch of other games as well that preceded Night Law. 
that were extremely influential in the British gaming scene. And the very first one that people talked about was Jetpack. Jetpack is iconic. So, yes, Jetpack. They, so on this replay thing, they've got Jetpack, Luna Jetman, uh, Underworld. They have Nightlaw, Saberwolf. Saberwolf is another iconic game that's been talked about a lot recently. Because on the 23rd of April, we had the 40th anniversary of the ZX Spectrum. Really, really big moment for the British industry. And so that was the reason why I was looking at the replay stuff, because it just reminded me of that time and and that absolutely um, inspirational era and formative era. I mean, a lot of the UK games industry, um, some of the biggest names in the games industry go back to that time and, and can trace their roots to when the Spectrum came out and when yeah. they started to learn how to program. Um, but, you know, there's, there's something a little soulless. So, yeah, okay, it's kind of fun for about five seconds to see night law in a fake crt mode on my enormous 48 inch oled telly i had to turn off the borders and whatever but it's like oh come on you know i mean they, they've reproduced it so exactly that night law for example has got all the same delays as the original really that was a limitation of the original let us have a mode where we can take all that out and play it at 60 frames oh you're you're not a purist no not at all mm. no i'm saying saying have both Mm. Have the pure mode as a default, but allow us the ability to um, to fine tune. I mean, after all, they they let you have a fake surround, they yeah. let you have a fake mm. CRT. They they don't say that you must only play in the CRT mode. They let you get rid of the CRT, so you've got the crisp output, which for me is preferable. And the CRT stuff is kind of gimmicky and cute for about five seconds. This is but, one yeah, of the things I really like about the analog pocket. Right? Yeah. That it has all that stuff in it, but you can just like you can turn it off and just have an incredibly crisp screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like how they make all of the audio sound better and all that, you know, like all of that right. stuff. I, I just give people the option because yeah. the thing is, is that that era is gone, and there are many, many ways you can experience the original games exactly how they were made. But many of those games are made in such a way because those were the system limitations. And if you mm -hmm. want to experience those today, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to enjoy them the way their creators would have hoped you could enjoy them had yeah. the performance been better. Yeah. 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 So it's not so much about honoring the original because the people who created the original want you to have better hardware to see their game better. Mm -hmm. Even at the time. I mean, I made uh, um, a ripoff, sorry, homage to um, <laughs> Night Law <laughs> uh, called Chimera, which was quite successful. I mean, it's, yeah, I made my name off this game for yeah. a very long time. And, I wouldn't want you to play the original. I'd want you to play the speeded up version because the original was really, really slow on the Spectrum because the Spectrum wasn't powerful enough to do the kind of things I wanted it to do. I would not want you to play the original version. I'd want you to play the souped up version or the de-restricted version. So to me, it would be nice to capture the spirit of that time. Yeah. But I, I, I don't want you to capture... It's like, you know, the spirit of the law, letter of the law. I don't want the letter of the law. I want the spirit. And the spirit is these games were the first creative efforts of an entirely new generation of pioneers in a field that never existed before in the history of humanity. What was their ambition? What was their hope? What were their dreams? Honor that. It wasn't that you should only play this version. They hoped for so much better. And it came eventually. Mm. Of course it did. Here we are 40 years later. I'm still in the bloody industry and miracle of miracles. I'm still alive. You know, all these things are amazing. So let, let's see that stuff in a very um, 
very respectful way. And that is, you know, don't don't just hold it up to people and 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 say, oh, look, this is how how these old farts used to do it. You know, uh, and look how slow it is. Look how clunky it is. I, I, I just I, I just think it's disrespectful. Yeah. So I think if you want to capture the spirit of that time, go back to the people who made those games. Most of them are still around and ask them, what were you trying to do? What were you trying to achieve? And the reason people won't do it, of course, is that the market is tiny. It's old farts like me and a few other people who are curious about the history of video games. But I just wanted to, to say one more thing about that era. And that is 40 years have passed since the introduction of the most influential device related to video games in the history of the video games industry in the UK. 40 years. It's incredible. It's still around. People are still programming successes to it. People are still actually programming under emulation, the original. A lot of those people went on to create the industry as we know it. And the thing that I loved that I have not heard expressed, the thing that I think was important that I have not heard expressed, is that here we had a machine on which you could play games that other people made, on which you could actually create games yourself. And when the consoles arrived, that was no longer true. One of the reasons that the Spectrum, the Commodore 64, and other home computers of that era were so beloved was that the device that you used to consume media was also the device that you used to create that media. What is the name of that? Like, that has a name, right? Because I know we were um, talking about this once before. There is a name for that when you can make the thing on the thing. Uh, well, when you make something for something else, what you're doing is you're, you're cross-developing. But when you're developing actually on the machine, you're developing the host and the target are the same machine. Yeah. Now, but Mike is thinking of an expression that there I've also heard before. Yeah. Uh, this was coming up a lot, this? and it has come up a lot um, in regards to antitrust and stuff like that. Right. And also, like, we we talked about this before in regards to the iPad. Like, yeah. it's the computer doesn't let you create apps on the computer itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think that is something really fundamentally important that we are missing today. Okay. You know, I, I'm being... Uh, I'm only being slightly facetious. No, actually, I don't think I'm being facetious at all. What's the cheapest computer you can buy? That you can make stuff on, probably what a Chromebook. Chromebook Maybe you can make, make web stuff, make web apps. You yeah. know how accessible is that? Do you know how long it takes to learn a modern web framework? Do you know how long it takes to to to, for example, learn something like React? All of the dependencies for learning something like React, which is if people aren't aware, is Facebook's kind of framework stroke SDK for responsive web applications. It's insane. Now, back in the day, uh, and I'm I'm arguing for a return to some of the principles back in the day, you, you turn on your spectrum, you get the manual, the proper printed spiral-bound book that comes with it, you type in something, you have created something in seconds. It's up on the display. There are no bugs. You don't have to go and go into some terminal and download something from the internet and unpack it and then look for the error messages and then find the thing that it's referring to and then cross-link all of that nonsense. No, you type in the first example you see in the book, you have something immediately on the screen, it encourages you to go again. Now, 
why can't we do that today on a cheap, accessible device? Remember the Spectrum at its entry-level price was £125. Bit more expensive today, okay? If you inflation-adjusted, what, £300, £400. There's no reason why we can't have a computer that's also a target. We have stuff like the Raspberry Pi, but again, that's very much Linux-based. There's nothing Mm. immediate and accessible. With the Spectrum, you just start typing in basic programs, you immediately get something on the screen. It's exactly the same thing that everybody who was making commercial games was using to make commercial games. That was the beauty of it. So say, for example, a young programmer, a young wannabe programmer, right, is living in a council estate, is is poor as as can be, and wants uh, and, and wants to buy a video game, buys a video game for their spectrum, looks amazing, thinks, I would love to make something like that. They they go out, buy a piece of software called DevPack. It's what, 10, 15 pounds, whatever. So maybe they've got to do a few paper rounds or whatever. They buy DevPack, they start to assemble games, they they put them into the um cassette tape, load them up, they spend a month making a game. They send it off to a publisher. The publisher says, this is great. We'll publish it. Suddenly, the kid has a career. That's what happened to me. Yeah. Where is that happening today? Today, if you are a youngster wanting to learn how to make video games, okay, you need an expensive computer. You need to download Unity. You need to understand licensing. You need to understand assets. You need to understand C Sharp. You you know, it just goes on and on and on. And we've come a very, very long way from that from that creation um, uh, atmosphere and environment. The closest we have, okay, I could only think of one really, really good good parallel. It's it's the smartphone. So the very smartphone on which I watch YouTube videos is the same smartphone I can use to start my YouTube channel. Yeah. And I think that is the closest thing that you've got today. And I I just don't think that's that's great. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think it's anywhere near as creative as making a video game. Well, I guess, yeah, as you say, you can do it. You can do it on a Mac and a PC, right? But I understand what you're saying. The barrier to entry cost-wise is so much higher. Not just the barrier to entry cost-wise. You're absolutely right there. But in terms of the technology that you have to understand before you can even get started. Right, yeah. Yeah, like, for so interestingly on this, I have, I have an idea for a Playdate game. And I was like, oh, they have that thing called Playdate Pulp, right? They're like mm. web-based. Thing. And so I looked at it. It's like, this is to make dungeon calling games mm. where mine is more of like a text adventure type game. So yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know how to do it then. I'm kind of stuck, right? And it's just like a f- kind of a funny thing or it's like there are people that have ideas, but like I'm, my idea is not good enough to spend the time to try and learn how to do it. And plus I've tried, I mean, I've tried to learn Swift before. Like this is just not a skill set that I have and or am willing to put the time into. Swift is hard though. Swift is a a hard language. Something like Lua is not. Okay. You could get into something like Lua. You can program um, the play date with Lua. Their development tools are really nice. Um, I think you can set set it up with Xcode if you really want to. You can even do it without Xcode if you want. It's not, as easy as a Spectrum, but it's pretty close. I just wanted something easy. Well, I still think there's a market. 